Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, with my co-host, Nick Pollock. Nick, it's here. It's the Big Ten Championship play-in game. The Penn State University Nittany Lions against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Diddly, 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 diddly swag. I'm going to oh. open every single podcast from now on with a John Ralphio line from Parks and Rec. So <laughs> get ready for it. Oh, man. I, when do you get run over by Alexis? Because I feel like that's... That, that, that's well, that, that was going to be the next one, but uh, now that you ruined it. See, the th- well, that sounds like a Rutgers thing. I think Rutgers is the Big Ten school that gets run over by Lexis's, Lexi, what, I don't know. But yeah, well, uh, now you're off your game a little bit. How you doing, buddy? You know, um, all right. Middle of the week. It's been, I th- I, this is like the first week in probably this entire month that I haven't had to leave my classroom for some meeting or something. So I've actually been with my kids all week. So I'm a little tired, but that's, that's okay. That's good. And I think you're also probably getting a, getting a little burst of energy from what this week is, I would imagine, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, this is a, it's a big one for Penn State. And we decided to go out and get ourselves some help discussing the Ohio State Buckeyes. We went over to our sister site, 11 Warriors, and we got professional 17th grader Kevin Harris. Kevin, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> How are you guys? Glad to be here. Not bad. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, this little bit of civility that for the hour or so that we're going to get you and that it can go back to, uh, you know, we'll all say mean things to each other online and whatnot. But of course, I wouldn't have it any other way. Very good. So I think we really should just dive in. I mean, Ohio State this year, uh, they're six and one. Really, really good football team. They're ranked sixth in the polls right now, but they're number one in S&P Plus. I know a bunch of other uh, you know, advanced stats really like them. So let's just the easiest question there is. What do the Ohio State Buckeyes in 2017 do well? Uh, a lot. Um, okay, thanks. Uh, so we'll, thanks for listening to this edition of the yeah, podcast. That's it. We're going to wrap it up. Yeah, sure. We can. Thank you. Uh, we'll have our intern uh get the check over to you but yeah thanks for uh all that but yeah go ahead <laughs> yeah no i think um I, on defense we'll, we'll talk we'll give i'll give you one unit on offense and defense um on defense it's it's obviously the defensive line um there's probably their three deep could start at most places in the big 10 um and you're gonna see that really late in the game when um guys we're really completely fresh. Uh, you know, we we're talking to players last week and Sam Hubbard was saying like, you know, with the amount of snaps we've taken because we're so deep, we've really only played like the equivalent of three games. Um, so they're deep and they're, they're very, very good. Um, and, you know, offensively, I, I think Buckeye fans like don't really believe this, but the passing game is really, really good offensively. And um, I think like that's kind of a, Buckeye fans are a little apprehensive to hear that because, you know, it was not good last year. It was not really good the year before that. Um, but, like, statistically, this is on pace to be, like, Ohio State's best passing performance, like, as far as the season goes, ever. Yeah. Um, so I, I do kind of get the sense that, like, the most popular guy on Ohio State's team is probably Dwayne Haskins. Like, just among yeah. the fans of one. I yeah, just ask Micah Parsons. <laughs> <laughs> Micah Parsons right? and uh, Jackson Carmen. Is that the other one? It is, yeah, yep. Jackson Carmen. Yeah, yeah, and Kirk Herbstreet was right there to uh, defend JT's honor. And what was 
my favorite thing about college football is it's very weird. I don't think anything that happened this year was more weird than Kirk Herbstreet getting into a fight with a recruit over JT Barrett. That was awesome. <laughs> but yeah, oh, like, yeah. When you hear that's, that about, that's like peak college football. Yeah, but when you hear that about Ohio State, I guess the, the two surprises are, you know, one, we know what JT Barrett is. We know that uh, he, he has his ups and his downs throwing the football, but over the last couple of games have been really good. I think the bigger surprise there uh, would be the wide receivers because – Right. Kind of the prevailing narrative for the last year and a half with Ohio State is, well, the reason JT is struggling is because the receivers can't get open. And it seemed like a lot of the, I don't want to say blame, but a lot of the attention has been on the receivers not helping bear it out. Has that not been the case this year? Uh, I mean, I think the the thing is there there's talented receivers. And I think last year that was the easy easy sort of like figure to point to because – JT Barrett didn't like it didn't switch like he's not like he didn't turn into a different person so that was kind of the obvious like well it can't be JT Barrett because he we've seen what he can do um it's got to be the receivers and I don't know if I would even at this point like place all the blame on the receivers now there were there were some routes that were just atrocious last year especially in uh the the Penn State game um we you know made fun of some for quite a while but uh I, I think more than anything it was just the the passing scheme um ohio state has a new uh co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach but he's really the passing game coordinator his name's ryan day um and he he's really revitalized the entire passing game um you know just just simple concepts and stuff and the offense just has an identity it, it kind of seemed like the past two years like who uh it was tim beck calling the plays was just like playing madden you know like just kind of like picking a play and being like okay well Hope this one works this time instead of like setting things up and like trying to have an offensive identity. So it's just it everything just looks a little different this year. Interesting. And since we've spent so much time talking about what Ohio State does well, I think it's only fair that we start talking about what Ohio State does poorly. So if you want to kind of do the same thing, both sides of the ball, where are the weaknesses to this team? So we'll we'll start defense. Um, it's linebackers. I think. Everyone wants to point to uh, the Oklahoma game and point to the secondary, but that's not how Oklahoma beat Ohio State. It was it was the linebackers. Oklahoma played a, a, a RPO heavy offense, which is a lot what Penn State does. Um, and you know the, the linebackers really didn't know what to do. They were out of position a lot of times. Uh, Baker Mayfield threw over the top of them for like 330 yards and um, really just carved them up. And uh, they didn't, at times, it looked like every linebacker on the field, especially uh, Jerome Baker, who you know got a lot of hype before the season started, um, was out of position. And uh, I think that's not only a weakness for Ohio State uh, so far, but um, I think that's a key to the game, how, how those linebackers play. Because you know we, we saw how well it worked against Oklahoma, and um, Penn State's really the only team in the Big Ten that's set up to beat Ohio State the same way that Oklahoma beat Ohio State. Um, and now, now uh, don't don't count out Rutgers. <laughs> yeah, I, I know mean, you. I know you already won that game, though. But listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. all I'm saying is that uh, every once in a while, you see a former assistant coaches beat their master, a uh, you know uh, teacher Padawan type thing. And listen, like Chris Ash might have a thing or two up his very hairy sleeves that Urban Meyer has not seen before. It'll take a while, though. 
It'll take a while. With with that attitude, maybe, but I'm guessing they don't have that attitude in New Brunswick. I'm sure they don't. I, I don't, I like, I think Chris Ash is a great coach, but like, God help anybody who like is is tasked with turning that program around. Well, we're we're actually going to talk about Rutgers in a little because there is something very funny on the horizon that uh, that prominently involves them. But yeah, uh, Ohio State's offense. Where's the weakness? Ah, this this one's hard for me because like, there's there's no clear cut weakness. Um, I think if there's any area that Penn State's going to try to exploit. Uh, a starting offensive guard, Brandon Bowen, went down two weeks ago, um, and the the basically there have been two options who've gone in to fill in for him, and, and they've both played well. But you know, Ohio State fans know last time against uh, against Penn State, the offensive line kind of got abused. So I think that's the key matchup to watch is uh, the right guard. I, I, it's probably going to be Demetrius Knox is going to play there. Um, but I think that's that's the key matchup to see what happens inside there because, you know, it, it's going to be his first real start against a real team, and you know, against Penn State is not the time when you want that to happen. Um, outside of that, it's hard to really pick out one unit that's like the weakness. Um, and, and the other thing is like it's a pretty small sample size. You know, the the I could tell you what struggled against Oklahoma, but all of that's kind of changed in the past like three weeks. So. I, I really don't know what the offense is going to do come Saturday, and that's that's what makes the game so interesting to watch. Because like, I, I've seen things out of Ohio State these past three weeks that makes me think that they're like a world beater of a football team, but it, it's just hard to really evaluate them when they're like putting forty-two points up in the first half against Nebraska. Interesting, and to, uh, to be clear, I'm just looking what I think is the, an accurate depth chart. If it's not Knox, it'll be. Uh, a name that Nick remembers pretty well, uh, former future Penn Stater Matthew Burrell. Yep. Mm. All right. Burrell, Burrell went in for uh, Burrell went in for Bowen immediately when he got hurt, but the next week it was Demetrius Knox who got the start. Okay. So yeah, but, I, but Urban said that, that that's still wide open, which is not what you want to hear hmm. the week before Penn State. Interesting. So. Well, I, I mean, at least there's a there's a weakness there. Uh, real quick, Nick, who is your favorite? Uh, former future Penn Stater on Ohio State's roster? I think I know the answer, but I just want to make sure. Hmm. I haven't thought about this question in a while. Um, I mean, Burrell's a good one. Burrell, however you say in it. Um, Fuller is a good answer, too. That's that's probably who I'd go with. That's probably the correct answer. Yeah, he's... Yeah. Like, we'll... I'm sure we'll talk about him in a sec, but like I was very surprised. See, he leads Ohio State in tackles this year. Like he, I, all I'm saying, he could have done that here. So uh, just put <laughs> that out there. But I, I do want to ask you, Kevin, about something that you just mentioned, which was, you know, the Oklahoma game. I think that was kind of eye opening in the same way that Ohio State going into Norman last year and just beating up on Oklahoma was eye opening. This year, Oklahoma second week of the season comes in. Comes into the shoe. Uh, Baker Mayfield throws all over the place. I mean, not only was it a 31-16 win for the Sooners, but Ohio State's win expectancy was 4%. Like, their percentile numbers were just (laughs) abysmal. But over the last, you know, month and a half, they've played teams that, uh, how do I say it, aren't as good as Oklahoma is. (laughs) They've really flown up the S&P Plus charts, and 
it seems like they have kind of figured out what went wrong uh, against the Sooners, kind of on both sides of the ball. So this might be a very uh, a little difficult to answer, but what went wrong against Oklahoma? And has that thing or those big things been fixed since that game happened? Yeah, I think um, offensively, it's it's really hard to figure out what went wrong because, like, it. I, I guess it was just play calling because the play uh, the play call it sh- it just looks like a different offense. It looks like they switched offensive coordinators after the Oklahoma game, which is absurd. Like it that obviously that doesn't happen, but um, it just. It looks completely different. What they're trying to do offensively looks completely different. Um, and I think, I think a lot of it was uh, I talked to Ryan Day, who is the passing game coordinator. Coordinator essentially, he uh, he talked a little bit about um, establishing something on offense. And when you establish something and force the defense to stop that one thing, that's when you actually start to have an effective offense because then you can counter off of that and then make them stop that thing, and then you can counter off of that and make them stop that thing. But if you never establish one thing, there's nothing for you to really build on. And um, I think you've actually started to see that identity. They sort of got into the, I explained earlier, the, the Madden mode where they were just like calling plays and there was no real identity and they weren't really building off each other or anything like that against Oklahoma. But um, after that, you've just started to see how, how the offense is just kind of developed. They went into like bubble screens and um, after that, like pumping goes off the bubble screens, they went into adding some RPO stuff like Penn state does. Um, they've added the the mesh concept and packaged it in weird ways. So the offense is just a lot more creative um, and defensively. It, it's really hard to see how this defense is going to play because um, Oklahoma and, and Indiana both did two things to, Indiana, Indiana to negate the defensive line. Indiana got the ball out of their hands as quick as possible, and um, Baker Mayfield just kind of rolled out, and they did a lot of RPO stuff. So it, it's going to be really hard to say like how this defense has improved because they haven't really played a team of that offensive caliber. Because I think this defense is just more athletic than pretty much every team that they play, and even if they're out of position, sometimes they can make the play. So it's hard to really like say this scheme has been fixed. So we're, we're going to see on Saturday as far as the defense goes. And, um, you know, they play in Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley. It's we're, we're going to see. So, yeah, it's, I, I think it's going to be just really, really interesting. Like you would think Nick that Penn state is basically just going to watch that Oklahoma film and go, Oh, so this work, this work, this work, this work, this work. Let's do all that. And even like even the Indiana film, because like it was like Nick, Nick, you and I both watched the game, and Kevin, I'm going to assume that you watched the game. But <laughs> yes, it was comical watching how fast Richard Wagow was getting the ball out of his hands. It was like he was getting the snap, and he was so terrified of getting hit that he was just trying to throw the football and. I imagine these are all things that Penn State is going to try and do this week. And Nick, I want to ask you, like, when you hear everything Kevin just said about Ohio State's strengths, Ohio State's weaknesses, uh, what their issues were against Oklahoma, namely, how do you expect Penn State to come out and attack Ohio State? 
Um, well, I think, first of all, I think it's fair to say we don't really know, considering we had no idea what they were going to do against Michigan, and then totally they pulled fair. out this, pulled out this um, inverted, inverted wildcat option, which was <laughs> maddening and beautiful. It was, I, I can't imagine <laughs> how frustrating it must be as a defensive coordinator who hasn't faced Penn State yet to have watched that game and think, Jesus Christ, now I have to deal <laughs> with this too. Um I think that, I, I mean, I think the main thing that I've noticed when watching Ohio State and watching that Oklahoma game, and I should, I don't think Penn State will just sit down and watch the Oklahoma game. I know, I think we know that the coaches are smarter than that to know that this is a different team than they were then. But I, I kind of agree with what Kevin said about the linebackers. It seems like that's the unit where they tend to maybe just get caught with their eyes in the backfield just like a split second too long. Um, That is what we saw against Oklahoma, and I think that's something that Penn State will try to exploit since they run the read option on every single play. So that's kind of where I expect Penn State to start. I think the the offense will look fairly familiar to start. I think they'll start off with their normal base concepts out of the RPO and try to get a pretty equal dose of Barkley and McSorley running the ball early. Um, I think we'll see those typical quick slant passes that they love to go with Johnson and um, Hamilton. But the thing I'm not sure about, and the thing that I'm curious to see is if they attempt to dial up the deep ball the way that they did against Michigan, because we hadn't seen that at all this year, really until Michigan. We'd seen a few 20 plus yard passes to Deshaun Hamilton here and there. But it was never really a huge part of the game plan like it was against the Wolverines. I, I, I think that it's too ambitious to say that McSorley will have time to do that. Because although Penn State's offensive line played really well against Michigan's defensive line last week, I, while it's, I'm, I still feel like I need to see more sample sizes of both Ohio State and Michigan to really decide where each unit, where those two defensive units stack up next to each other, I think it's clear that Ohio State has the better defensive line, even if Michigan's is very good. So I don't think that, especially on the road, I don't think Penn State is going to have the time to set up those deep balls. I'm not saying they won't throw them because often they don't take a lot of time because it's Barkley streaking down the right side against a linebacker. But I'm curious to see if they attempt to set up any of those longer developing plays because it's going to get really risky when you have Lewis and Bosa and Hubbard and Holmes and every single other terrifying weapon along the defensive line that Ohio State has coming right at a improving but still average Penn State offensive line. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think there's going to be something new that we see, um, whether it's this mysterious thing that we've, keep hearing quotes about at the end of the game from Michigan um, is yet to be seen. But I think, I think Moorhead's going to have some sort of wrinkle um, that will probably be mad genius like and fun to watch. Interesting. And let's kind of use this as the diving as the point to dive into this game. Like I I would, I, I feel pretty confident in saying Nick that this is the Big Ten title playing game. The team that wins this game is going to end up in Indianapolis facing Michigan, uh, not Michigan State, Penn State faces Michigan State next week, Wisconsin at the end of the year. Like, I, 
is it fair to say that? I mean, these are, for my money, the two best teams in the Big Ten. Uh, no disrespect to Wisconsin, all disrespect to Michigan State, but that <laughs> this seems like the the Big Ten champ, at, at the very least, the Big Ten East champion, and in my anticipation, the Big Ten champion is coming out of this game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, should Ohio State win this game, they have a little easier of a path to continuing on and finishing the Big Ten slate undefeated um, than Penn State did just because Ohio State still has Michigan. Not that Michigan should give the Buckeyes much trouble this year, but they're still there. It's still a rivalry game, yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, I think it's... They still got Sparty two. in there, too. Mm-hmm. They still have Sparty, and Penn State still has Sparty as well. I and, think Sparty, oh, might, and, ooh, I, I think Sparty ooh, might lose four they games. Have, they have some <laughs> but, weird Kinnick. They have to go play at Kinnick. Yeah. Ah, that's true. Yep. That's true. Don't worry, nothing so, weird ever happens there. Like I said, I think Ohio State has a little tougher end-of-the-year schedule than Penn State does, but um, yeah, it's fair to say these are the two best teams in the Big Ten, and this is essentially the title game play-in. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's simple as that. These are the best teams, and that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, and let's... Uh... You know, we'll flip around what we have in the little agenda here, and Kevin, I'll go to you first. How does Ohio State win this football game? Yeah, we. I mean, can't can't beat this enough. The the linebackers have to play well. Um, what what Ohio State's going to try to do, and Nick kind of alluded to this, they're going to try to force they're going to try to force Penn State's receivers to beat them deep. They're going to play um, sort of a, a modified cover four, cover three where uh, they're basically going to man, man up on one guy and have the rest of the team play a, a kind of quarters zone. Um, that's, that's at least what we expect them to do. And um, they're just going to have the linebackers cover anything underneath and key in on Saquon Barkley. Um, and that's, that's the key there. They're, they're, they're going to lock in on Saquon Barkley, and they're going to lock in on the short stuff, and they're going to dare Penn State to throw the ball deep. Um, and I think if they can execute there and the linebackers can execute and do their job against that RPO stuff, um, that's the key defensively. Uh, on offense, the key is... I, I, I don't even know how to approach this because like, the key is to just keep doing what they've been doing the past three weeks. Um, three, four, five weeks, I guess. Uh, ever since the, the loss to Oklahoma. Um, They've done a great job of of building off the run and uh, and the pass and disguising common route combinations and um, playing to the strengths of the receivers with getting them open in space. Um, and, and I think if as long as we we have this joke in, in Eleven Warriors that in big games it seems like Urban Meyer and, and it's not just Ohio State it's it's a common denominator at Florida. Um, did the same thing with uh, with Alex Smith too. Um, he relies on his quarterback to run in big games and just kind of goes scared turtle and says like, "All right, JT Barrett, go win the game." And um, as long as that doesn't happen, and we see like the Ohio State offense that we've seen the past couple weeks and um, that's that's been like pretty lights out, I, I think Ohio State can win that way. Interesting. Okay, Nick. Other side of the coin. How does Penn State win this game? I think defensively, I we've seen enough from Penn State's secondary. Granted, they haven't gone against 
receivers like Ohio State's, although if you ask Kirk Herbstreit, they have because they faced Indiana. Yeah, the, the <laughs> but... best quarterback <laughs> and receiver combination was uh, the flaming course of Richard Legal and Simi Cobbs, who was actually pretty good. I won't, I won't Simi Cobbs is a monster. Simi Cobbs is the guy throwing it, the football I have some objections to, but... Richard Legault looked like Aaron Rodgers that game, man. I, <laughs> I, I, I will never understand that. I, I will continually be baffled by that performance. It, it made no sense. The first half, some oh, of the balls that he was throwing, like, the first it, it made no sense. The first half, he was just like closing his eyes and ripping it. And again, he was getting it out so fast. And this is something that I, I think Penn State's really going to try and uh, replicate. But just get the ball out your hands real fast. And with how young Ohio State secondary is hope you're able to catch him off guard and you know Penn State's massive athletic receivers are going to be able to take advantage of that but yeah Nick yeah yeah so like I was saying I I think the key I think we can trust the secondary to do what they've been doing all year which is break up and pick off a ton of passes but I think the most um, impressive thing I've seen from the secondary is that when they do give up catches, they are right on the ball to make the tackle. They do not really allow yards after the catch to receivers. Um, but I think the key will be the defensive line and the kind of pressure that they're able to generate. That's what, yes, the blocked kick last year was a huge game-changing factor, but the pressure that the defensive line was able to generate consistently through the entire second half just completely neutralized everything Ohio State was trying to do on offense. I think that's what they need to do again um, in order to win this game defensively, whether that's Cothran, Miller, Shaka Tony, whoever it is making, I mean, leading the push. I think they really need, I think they really need to generate a good amount of pressure from the defensive line in order to just contain the speed that Ohio State has on offense. Um, and of course, they'll need to limit J.K. Dobbins as much as possible, which easier said than done. On the offensive side, I, I do think Penn State is well-equipped to attack this Ohio State defense, and that isn't even necessarily a dig at Ohio State's defense. That's more of me saying that I think Ohio State or Penn State's offense is capable of attacking anybody because they can do so many different things. Um, I kind of talked about my curiosities about the offense in this game already. I, I'd like to say the key is Saquon Barkley, but I don't think it is because Penn State has shown that they can do things when he is not able to get going, when he doesn't have the block and he needs to. So I think in reality, every Penn State game comes down to Trace McSorley, which does the quarterback, but it's easy to forget that when you have a Heisman contender, possibly the leading Heisman contender at running back. If McSorley is able to scare Ohio State enough with his legs, if he's able to get those linebackers just thinking about one more thing, all they're already thinking about containing Barkley. They're already thinking about Gasicki out of that um, backfield role he's taking back there on these read option plays. They're already thinking about these quick slants because they're going to throw the ball quick. If he can also get them to pay attention to his legs, then things are going to open up a lot more. That deep ball probably opens up a lot more. So... I think the key will be how well McSorley is able to move the sticks on the ground when he has to, how well he's able to navigate the pocket. Um, and it's going to be really fun to watch. This is going to be a really fun matchup. I, I think I agree. And uh, you kind of just addressed yours, Nick, uh, but your matchup uh, to watch in this game. So, Kevin, let me go over to you. Like, 
No, not on both sides of the ball. Just the one matchup that you think ultimately decides this game is blank. I think it's Ohio State's defensive line against Penn State's offensive line. Um, I always, it, going back like forever, um, the team with the better defensive line or the decisive advantage in the trenches wins the game. And um, I think there's a chance that Ohio State has a device, decisive advantage in the trenches with uh, how good that defensive line is and how deep that defensive line is. Um, and I've seen it over and over again. It doesn't matter how good the running back is. It doesn't matter how good the, the quarterback is. It doesn't matter how good the offensive scheme is if the point of attack is just getting dominated by the other team. Um, you saw it with Ohio State against Oregon in the national championships game. You saw it against Ohio State versus Florida in the 2006 national championship game. You see it all the time. It comes down to, the, to owning the trenches. And um, I think that's the key. If, if Ohio, Ohio State's strength, the, the strength of Ohio State's team uh, by far is the defensive line. And if they can't have a decisive advantage on that front, I don't think they can win this game. Interesting. Nick, do you have like a specific answer you'd want to give to this, or do you think you kind of touched on that? No, I agree with Kevin. I think the Ohio State defensive line against the, Ohio, against the Penn State offensive line is the key to the whole game. I, I don't think Penn State... I don't think the offensive line necessarily needs to be dominant or to win. I think they just need to keep the Buckeyes at bay as much as possible. So I, I guess I'm kind of different in that opinion, although I guess you did mention that they're, <laughs> the decisive advantage is kind of that key factor there. So yeah, um, yeah I think just being able to somewhat hold them back, I think would be huge for Penn State. See, I'm going to kind of disagree with the two of you. I'm going to say, and this is a, you know, a little less, it's not as literal of a matchup, but JT Barrett against Jason Cabinda. And I mean from the perspective of how is the chess match going to go between the two? They're two veteran guys, two guys who I think are really good at reading what's coming at them. Uh, Jason Cabinda, we've seen this over and over throughout his career. He's done the thing where he will see what, a quarterback or, uh, you know, an offensive line or whatever, what they want to do before the ball is even snapped, and he will get Penn State's defense in a position to uh, stop that. And JT Barrett, he, I think he's going to need to be able to kind of, uh, you, you know, go into the bag of tricks and get Cabinda off his game a little bit. We saw in last year's Ohio State game, Penn State was able to contain JT Barrett on the ground, 17 carries, 26 yards. And in the air, they let him throw passes and they let him complete passes. You know, he went 28 for 43. Those 28 completions were the most that he had all year. But he only threw for 245 yards. So basically, Penn State was saying, you could throw the football. We'll let you do that, but we're not letting you get anything when you do that. So I think if Jason Cabinda is able to get Penn State's defense in positions where, you know, maybe some of the younger uh the, some of the younger guys aren't put into positions where they may not be comfortable, you know, whether it's uh, a guy like uh, Yitor Grossmatos on the defensive line when he's in, or if Lamont Wade's in against as a slot cornerback or something like that against a, against a Paris Campbell type, something like that, and they're able to get home on JT Barrett and do all those things. I think Penn State has a real shot in this game. Having said that, I'm not optimistic 
my heart says Penn State by 60, obviously. But I, I just have such a hard time seeing Penn State go into the shoe. When I look at the game against uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma's success rate in every quarter was 45% or higher. They also didn't let Ohio State do anything for basically the first half of that football game. So Penn State, if they kind of follow Oklahoma's model, they have to be good for four quarters. They have to win this game for four quarters and hope Ohio State's off their game for a while. I kind of struggle to see that happening with the way Ohio State's been playing lately, although I think Penn State is capable of playing well for four quarters. So I think this is something like Ohio State 28, Penn State 24. I think this is a really good, really physical, fun football game. But in the end, I think Ohio State just able to eke it out. Uh, Their defensive line is able to get to Trace McSorley just one more time than... You know, that one last sack, that one last tackle for loss, whatever it is to win this game, I think they're able to get that. And, yeah, I'm going to be very mad and I'm going to punch my couch very hard. But at least I'll <laughs> expect that it's going to happen. Nick, what do you think? <sighs> I... Yeah, like, I didn't like picking this game either. Not because, like, I think Penn State's going to lose, but because, like, I... I can see basically anything happening in this game. I can see it being really close. I can see it being a blowout, basically on either side. Penn State blowing out Ohio State would surprise me a little bit, but you know, Penn State is. I said the same thing about Michigan, and Penn State was able to do that. So, I think that there is an avenue for Penn State to win this game. I mean, clearly they're they're both top ten teams, top what was Ohio State ranked fifth, top five Six. teams, sixth. Sixth, okay, top six teams. I I think Penn State clearly has a way they can win this game, but being on the road is that's just going to be a really big hurdle hurdle to climb. I I think it'll be a I think it'll be a really really good football game. I don't I don't think at any point there will be any even hint of a blowout in either direction. I think when the clock hits all zeros i think it's going to be ohio state 31 penn state 27 or 28 i don't know it's i don't know yeah something like that i think ohio state ekes it out yeah kevin what do you think yeah i i think i think it's going to be a a great game for for most of it um I think I don't I'm not I think Ohio State's going to pull out towards the end. Um I think fourth quarter um I I I maybe not come down to the final drive but like there'll be a point where it's like kind of do or die time for Penn State and um I I just think the decisive moment comes a little sooner than uh the last minute or so. Um and I I think I think it might be a little more high scoring than you guys are projecting a little bit I think. Okay. Maybe maybe thirty eight to uh, like high twenties, like twenty eight or something, so, something around that range. Um, hmm. I think uh, I think either team I, I could I could see points being scored. Um, I've been impressed by by both offenses, honestly, and um, I think in in games like this, it, there just tends to be big plays, um, and there's too many home run hitters on either of these teams for me to 
really imagine a, a kind of low scoring grinded out game. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm kind of picturing um, Ohio State, Michigan State 2014, where it's kind of like a, a like everybody biting their nails through three quarters and then fourth quarter Ohio State kind of pulls away. Um, I think the difference, like I said earlier, is going to be the that depth on the defensive line because um, Ohio State's going to be rotating like three units on there. And uh, I can just see Penn State being gassed fourth quarter on the road. Um, but, you know, there, there's an equal equal chance that Penn State comes to play and um, Ohio State makes mistakes. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Ohio State wins. Um, probably a score, maybe a little above the score. This is interesting because basically every, you know, every podcast and whatnot that I've listened to, although apparently like the Athletics podcast, uh, one of them said that, or maybe it was the whole pod, I don't remember who it was, they think Penn State's going to go in there and like race Ohio State, something weird like that that I don't know if I totally believe, uh-huh. neither here nor there, but it, it seems to be the general consensus. I stand with him. Yeah. <laughs> Whomever it was, I mean... One of these days, I will, uh, I, I'll, you know, li- really listen to the athletics podcast. Uh, but for now, I'm too busy uh, drinking cold brews and sucking the blood of uh, <laughs> newspaper editors and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, like, I, it seems like everyone's having trouble picking this game because, you know, the knee jerk reaction is Ohio State in Ohio Stadium. They're done. Easy. Bye. But Penn State's been playing really well. Penn State just beat the doors off of Michigan last week. Uh, uh, Ohio State lost in Ohio Stadium earlier this yeah. season. So, like, there are just so many factors here that make that that make me think, and apparently makes everyone think this game's going to be really close and really fun. And hopefully, it is. And hopefully, I'll oh, go ahead. I think like a lot of it is just there's so many unknowns. I think yeah. Um, it, at least, at least Penn State played Michigan, so it, and I think Michigan's defense is at least pretty good. And, um, but you know, like we we don't we don't really know what Ohio State's going to do. We don't really know what Penn State's going to do. So I think the initial reaction is like, eh, we'll play it safe, um, maybe call it a close game, and be surprised if it's a blowout. You know, but I feel like it could very easily be a blowout one way or another. Ohio State could come out flat offensively, like they have the past two years, and Penn State could run away with it. Um, or Ohio State could come out and light up the world. I, I just really wouldn't be surprised by anything that I saw, and that's what makes it impossible to pick. Um, I think we're going to have a lot more clarity one way or another after after this game. You know, After this game, I'm going to know what this Ohio State team looks like. Is That's kind of the consensus around like the Ohio State world, too. After this game, we're going to know what this Ohio State team is because no one really knows. As the solid verbal would say, this is the ultimate Sudoku game. <laughs> we will know. We will know very well what both of these teams are after this. Nick, yeah, Nick. One last qu- question, and I'll ask Nick just because this is a very much a Homer question. But let's say Penn State's able to win. Penn State's at eight and zero. Penn State has. Um, we're going streaking. Oh, we're we're going to get real weird in a sec. Penn State's 8-0. Penn State has back-to-back wins over Michigan and Ohio State. Went into Columbus to beat Ohio State. This little team down in Tuscaloosa is off this week. If Penn State is able no, to get the win no, this weekend, will they start? No, not will they no, pass them. Not will they pass no. them. I'm not going to ask that. 
Will they siphon off a couple of first place votes? No. Interesting. Okay. I don't think so. Don't, don't the first committee? Doesn't the first well, committee poll come out this Well, that's week? what I was going to ask because the first uh, playoff rankings are on Tuesday. Uh, and, you know, if Penn State's able to go back-to-back wins and they're going to start having that really strong resume and they the committee they got does – first. What was that? They've got to be first in the committee if they beat Ohio State. I think, I think it would depend on where they put Ohio State after a – after a loss that's well, fair yeah and i think State, it would depend what the loss looks like they, they'd definitely be the best two loss team in the country but yeah i mean it would be like that's an interesting thing that i think's hanging over this game like there's a non-zero chance that if penn state's able to go into columbus and win when the first committee rankings come out on tuesday they're the number one team in the country and my guess is they're not like that's not a motivating factor because you don't need a motivating factor for a game like this but i would be surprised if it's one of those things that you know, it's in the back of everyone's head. Maybe it adds adds a little bit of something this week. Whatever. Uh, hopefully this game's good because this week's Big Ten slate's real bad. Like, really bad. Like, the night games, there are two games that kick off at 6.30 or later, and both of them involve exclusively Big Ten West teams. So let's go down the list. Wisconsin at Illinois. Uh, do we expect this game to stay within 100? Who picks up more yards, Illinois Jonathan against Taylor. Wisconsin or Kansas against TCU? Oh, Illinois. Oh. Illinois. No question. Yeah. <laughs> give me, okay, give me a sec. Uh, well, college, college football lines. Let's see. Lo- you line on this. Smith's, Go ahead. Lovey Smith's for sure just, like, cashing a check at Illinois, right? Like, oh, yeah. He, he's, yeah. He, has, he has no intentions of ever, like, making that program good, right? Like, no. He's that's, probably, that's like... He's probably like later years Joe Paterno at this point. He probably doesn't even talk to the team. Yeah, he's just like there. If you yeah. like, if you reminding like, people that he played in a Super Bowl or that he coached a Super Bowl. If you like money, the line I on coached this, Devin guys, Hester. Guys, guys, guys. The line on this is Wisconsin by twenty-four. Yeah, there's no way that they're going to cover for sure. If you like money, yeah, and the over/under is forty-nine. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a, if. Uh, Wisconsin They're going to score 49 by themselves. Right, exactly. We've seen this game out of Wisconsin before. Next up uh, is the game that I wanted to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, we're playing the ticket price game for Rutgers at Michigan. And here's the thing. Noon Mm, kick on BTN. I think I may have heard this already, actually. Noon kick on BTN. Here's the thing. There actually aren't that many tickets available for this. The big house... Has it can seat about 108,000 people or whatever. There are only 800 tickets available. By comparison, there are about 1,200 tickets available for the Penn State Ohio State game, and Ohio State seats about 2,500 fewer people than Michigan does. So, mm-hmm. Kevin, what is your guess on what the cheapest ticket is for this game? Ugh. Uh, supply and demand here. We're going to say, man, this is such a trash game, though. Michigan fans are crazy. Michigan fans are crazy. Do you remember that? $30? $30. Nick, what's your guess? So I think, um, I think actually last week the shutdown full cast, or maybe it was this week, actually played this game a little bit, which we'll have to bust out copyright infringement on there. Oh, yeah. Ty Ty or Dan, if you're listening, our lawyers are going to be on you like white. No, no, no. No, no, no. It was the full cast. Oh, the full full cast. Okay. Spencer, Jason, Ryan. Ryan, Ryan will run legal circles around us, though. <laughs> um, so I think I think I remember them talking about this, and I think it is like 
thirty something dollars, which is shockingly high for a Rutgers game. Yeah, it's twenty dollars. Uh, it's twenty. Twenty dollars. Oh man! Huh. For a twenty dollar bill, you can go watch Michigan play Rutgers. Oh god, it's so like I'm. That's really, kind of sad. That's very how sad. many how many Michigan men online will be angry when they don't top last year's game. Oh, it's going to be amazing. The line mm. on this one is Michigan by 20. Michigan is at 23 and a half. The game we just talked about, Wisconsin against Illinois, is at 24. Wisconsin is better than Michigan, and Illinois is worse than Rutgers. So yeah. I don't, like, there's a non-zero chance that, th- that Michigan only wins this game, like, 28 to 10 or something. Well, yeah, I, they'd have to at least score as many points as the line. So right. I just don't see that happening. So Right, right. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. I'm so glad that Penn State gave, like, the kill shot on the Michigan season. That's really good. Uh, yeah. Is there, any, is there any reason at all that either of you would tune into this game? No. <laughs> um. Are there any other games? <laughs> it, that- I, I would hope that. Michigan invited a bunch of recruits just on the off chance that Rutgers pulls a massive upset and flips the table on what Michigan did to them last year. Well, I mean, Michigan's going to invite a bunch of recruits because they can all come over with Rutgers from New Jersey, but... This uh, is true. Yeah. yeah. The entire Primus Catholic team. (laughs) (laughs) Next game, uh, Sparty traveling to Evanston, 3.30 kick ESPN. Uh, Northwestern is very bad. Sparty, despite the fact that I'm still not convinced that they're incredibly good, uh, should win this game pretty comfortably. It's going to be gross. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be on during the Penn State and Ohio State game. So if you want to like take a break from Penn State and Ohio State playing a fun game and you want to watch a game that maybe sets football back a few years, Michigan State Northwestern is for you. Nick, the question if a Michigan State gets player gets arrested this week, will they be suspended on Saturday? And if not, why not? It's funny. In the time that you asked that question, LJ Scott picked up four more parking tickets. <laughs> uh, um, I, I do want to say, I don't think Northwestern is terrible. No, I, I don't think. Either. I think they're playing a lot better. I, I know um, Penn State fans, their perception of Northwestern is that they're terrible since Penn State just beat them 31-7. to But... I I think they've actually been playing okay, and they, they I know with, the game they against Wisconsin. Yeah, they they were totally in that Wisconsin game. I mean, it was I think it was more. I watched most of that game. I think it was more of Wisconsin kind of falling asleep than anything. Mm-hmm. But and I know the I know the Northwestern Iowa game was hot garbage last week, but they still won. Um, and I think Michigan State is unbelievably overrated and could potentially lose like three games before the season's over. Are, are you so telling I'm, me that you don't believe in Michigan State because they were able to get up by a score before a monsoon hit John O'Corn? I am telling you that I think Northwestern wins this game. Ooh, look at with Nick being uh, spicy on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I picked them to win. The, I picked them to win the Big Ten West before the year started. <laughs> and that's not going to yeah. happen, but I got to stay true. No, I, I don't think they're bad. I, I think I think that's a less than trash game. I mean, obviously, no one's going to watch it, but it's a less, less than trash game. Um, I think it'll be uh, okay. Maybe I take that back. It's for sure going to be a trash game, but it could be close. 
Clayton Thorson is bad, so is Northwestern. I'm, I'm going to stick to this for a while. Moving on, uh, a, a game that I think has the potential to get weird. I don't think it's going to be good by any stretch of the imagination, but it has the potential to get weird. Indiana at Maryland, 330 kick BTN. Uh, Maryland is very good at playing football games that just don't make a lick of sense in that, like, maybe they're going to have to have a linebacker kick field goals and snap on offense, but he's going to do that better than their starter would. And also Indiana is Indiana. So we're going, we might get college football score got here. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but uh, I do know I'm not going to watch this game. Uh, there are more tickets available for this than there are for the Michigan Rutgers game. There are 827 available and Maryland stadium is, M A R Y L A N. It seats. Drum roll, please. Brrr. My internet's being slow. It seats 54,000 people. So, yeah. Uh, I don't plan on watching any of this. It's going to be very bad. Nick, say something nice about it. I will use this a lot of time as my weekly plea to Maryland to start running the triple option. It's <laughs> yep, the only fine, thing yep. left that you should really be doing. Um, yeah, uh, I, I I accept Nick's use of his time. Uh, Kevin, is there anything that you would like to say about this game? No, it, no, nobody should watch this game. <laughs> it, it's just just don't like it. There's it's three thirty. There's a lot else you could be doing. It's just, literally just, all just, during the good game. Like e- even even if you gamble on this game, don't don't watch it. Just, <laughs> you know, the there's. See, Oh, no, go ahead. Also, don't gamble on this game. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, also, no. don't gamble on this game. Don't gamble on Maryland football. That's not that's or not Indiana good. Or Indiana football. Yeah, that's yeah. that's double. Oh, that's double whammy though. Maybe you should. <laughs> it, well, I have learned I've learned that betting the under isn't gambling on these teams. It's gambling against both of them. So, <laughs> that's the best gamble, part. If you gamble, just bet the under. Yeah. Yeah, you get to just mercilessly root against both teams. Yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, the the over under in this game is fifty one and a half. So yeah, give me that under. Yeah, yeah, I'll, we uh, that that seems like a really good under. Also, while the I'm only here, thing more fun, the only thing more fun than betting the under and rooting against two Big Ten teams was taking Baylor plus anything like any like three years ago <laughs> and just yeah. watching them annihilate teams. Also, uh, real quick aside, if you like free money while we're on the topic of gambling, uh, Penn State, Ohio State's over-under is 56. So that that seems like oh, it's wow. ripe to go down. But neither here nor there. Let's move yeah. on to a game that, uh, again, you really should not watch. Minnesota at Iowa, 630 kick, FS1. Uh, Minnesota won last week, despite its quarterback going 5 for 15 for 47 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions. So, for how much Iowa is Iowa, I think I'm going to pick them to win this one because I, I just don't think that Minnesota is going to be able to win this game unless they could throw the ball a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a pleasant thing to say about this one. Or, or even a bad thing to say about this one. Yeah, there, um, there's just nothing to say about this. Yeah, like this is this is one of those games where like I, I honestly like I, I wouldn't have known it existed unless you told me about it like right now. I, I think I think like God, Nebraska Purdue is the best game of the week, isn't it? 
aside from Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Which, Ugh. I mean... No, no, no game involving Nebraska can be best anything unless it's best train wreck. Counterpoint, we really, uh, Nebraska produced 730 cake BTN. Uh, we really enjoy watching Tanner Lee throw pick sixes. And if there is one defense in the Big Ten other than Penn State that will just mercilessly pick him off and return it to the end zone, it's going to be Purdue. I very much what think. What a sentence. <laughs> I very much think Tanner Lee is going to throw more pick sixes than he does touchdowns in this game. Like this, we, I, again, we've said Wait, this more pick sixes than touchdowns pick not just sixes picks? Than t- on huh. the record. Yep. This that is, is hot, old. That, this is my hot take for the week. Uh, I base it entirely on the fact that I've seen Tanner Lee play football, but this brings me back to something to the thing that Bill C said that we've mentioned on this pod over and over. Nebraska, uh, Purdue is going to lose a game they absolutely should not lose, and they are just going to annihilate one team that they probably should not annihilate. Last week, they lost to Rutgers 14-12. to Now that I am mm-hmm. looking at their schedule, uh, this Nebraska game at home, 7.30 kick, this seems like the game where they're going to go out and just annihilate a team they should not annihilate. I am going on the record of riding with Purdue this week in a very comfortable win that makes Scott Frost's asking price go up another like million and a half a year. Nick, what do you I'm think? Deep, I'm deeply offended that you think Nebraska is good enough to count as a team better than Purdue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hold on, hold I think, on. Me... I, think we, I think we know my feelings about this Nebraska team. Oh, I've no, said the same my... thing since before the year began. We, we, but I share your feelings on Nebraska, friend. Don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. I mean, if you're going, if you're saying a much better team based on pro- program reputation, then yes. Uh, Holy Nebraska's hell. Whoa, whoa. Time out, time out. I take that all back. I did not realize that Nebraska is – well, Purdue is 48th in S&P+. Plus. And Nebraska is seventy third. Oh God! Why is this surprising Woo! to you? I didn't know it was that big of a difference. I Purdue. Why Purdue is this surprising? Purdue looks great. Yeah, and they're Except going to skull. They they're going to skull drag Nebraska. Yep, I agree on that. I agree. So I take this back. Uh, I rescind my previous statement, and I am going to save the Nebra- the Purdue dragging for when they travel to Kinnick and they play Iowa in their penultimate game of the year. That's fair. Fine. All right, cool. Uh, Kevin, do you have any thoughts on this game? Uh, no. I, I mean, I, I think this is this is a class. If you would have asked me at the beginning of the year, Nebraska-Purdue, I would have said Nebraska would like by like 30. But with how both of these teams are playing, Nebraska's looked like worse than I ever could have imagined. And Purdue has looked like, I dare say, good. Like I, all of their game, I don't even think they've had like an embarrassing loss. Um, so yeah, I, I guess those are my thoughts. I'm just amazed that we're at this point in college football where um, I think Purdue is pretty decisively better than Nebraska. But here we are. <laughs> yeah. Purdue sixty-three, Nebraska thirty. Uh, I'm riding Lock with that. it. I am. Up. I am with Nick on that one. If I had a rap air horn, well, I have one on my phone. But if I had a rap air horn on my computer, I'd be blasting it right now. <laughs> on that note, Kevin, 
thank you for coming on to this edition of the podcast. Let everybody know where they can find your stuff. Oh, of course. Um, you can you can read all of my stuff at the 11 Actually, not the. There's no the in that. It's, it's 11warriors.com. The, 11 there's a, there's the, an Ohio what? State thing that doesn't have the in front of it. Yeah, no. Nah, huh. It's pretty pretty off-brand, honestly. But uh, 11warriors.com, if by some chance you uh, are intrigued by Ohio State sports and you're listening to this podcast, um, I guess head on over there. But uh, I think we, we got a couple of you guys joining us for a, a roundtable in the next couple of days. So. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll see some Penn State stuff on there too, so don't worry. But uh, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Also uh, on Twitter.com, at Kevin-ish, is that correct? Yeah, at Kevin-ish, that is true. That is me. Very good. You do not want you do not want to follow me though. I only do bad tweets. I don't do good <laughs> ones. Yeah, yeah. Give him a follow, and if you don't like him, just mute him. Like he's he, he's a he's a good guy. But if you don't like him, at least say you appreciate him for listening uh, for coming onto this podcast. Uh, and yeah, on that note, I think it's time to wrap things up. Thank you, as always, for listening. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Overcast. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review there. Tell us how we could be doing better. Uh, if there is no way that we could be doing better, which there isn't because we're perfect, just give us five stars and say you guys are great. The nicer uh, the thing is that you say about us, the happier we'll be. If you don't give us five stars, we're just going to ignore whatever you say anyway. Uh, buy our shirts. They're still very comfortable, still very nice. We got a new shipment of Tuddy shirts coming in that have the site logo on the sleeve. They're very nice. You should get one. Follow us on Twitter at RLR blog, Roar Lions Roar on Facebook and Instagram. And yeah, keep reading, keep supporting, keep sharing the site. We always are happy to see your stuff out there and we will catch you next time. For Nick Polak, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. R to the O to the double N. Ron Swanson got swag the size of Big Ben clock. <laughs>